Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Dr. Paul Thomas with us. Paul, so we're talking about the vaccines, should you, should you not. It's a tough call for a lot of parents. What do you recommend? Well, I wrote a book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, and so I would recommend anybody that really wants to get a lot of detail on the fine, finer points of why you might do one now, wait on others, etc., read The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. Um, it's, it's a complicated topic, right? It, it, and very emotional. And Exactly. So I think it's important for your listeners to understand there is no such thing as a completely safe vaccine. It's a pharmaceutical product. When you inject it, you're injecting antigens, but you're also injecting toxins That's and right. adjuvants and things like that. <clears throat> so there's a side effect risk profile, and, of course, there's benefits as well. And for some vaccines, they're very effective, and others are uh, hardly effective at all. And so it's always, in my opinion, it should be an informed consent process where you are given the risks and the benefits, and then you really give it some thought. Where it gets really tricky and emotions run high is, take, for example, the measles situation. So we have a measles outbreak that's not as scary as the media is drumming it up to be, mm-hmm. but nevertheless... Theoretically, and it's not even theoretically, there is a death rate from measles. So what is that death rate? The CDC quotes one in a 1,000. It's actually more like one in 10,000. How do I come up with that number? Let's go back to 1957, the year I was born. That's the cutoff year. If you were born 57 or earlier, you're immune. We all had measles at my age. Yes, we did. Yep. Yep. And so, And we're immune for life. After that you probably need to be vaccinated to be immune. Well, what was the death rate in the United States before we started vaccinating for measles? It was about 450 cases a year. Well, there was about 3.5 to 4 million births per year. That works out because everybody got the measles. Absolutely. Oh, my God. I remember going to school. Everybody, I mean, the whole class got it. Yeah, everybody got the measles. So if you have 450 deaths out of 4 million people, that's about 1 in 10,000. That's the same death rate Mm -hmm. that you have for going under anesthesia. And I think, you know, nobody freaks out about going to surgery. I mean, of course it's scary and you could die. And it's, but it's at that level of scariness. And I'm not trying to minimize it. If you've lost a loved one to measles, it's horrific. Of course it is. But the flip side is there's also risks from the vaccines. And what is that risk? Well, we don't really know exactly what the death rates are because we have a very poor system of tracking side effects from vaccines. And it's very political, isn't it, Paul? Of course. It's absolutely. So there was a good study on seizures, a Danish study of half a million kids, found that one in 640 kids would get seizures from the MMR. Only 1.6% of those seizures were reported. So to the VAERS system, the Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. And that's the problem. The, the side effects from vaccines are, are horribly underreported. Now, right before we went on break, you were asking me about autism and, and vaccines. And here's, here's the thing. You go to the CDC website and it says, categorically, there is no link. However, CDC whistleblower William Thompson, he's an MD. He was in charge of the study commissioned by our government. Right to study whether or not there was a a link between MMR and autism, they found a link, they destroyed the data, 
but he kept it and became the whistleblower to say actually there was a link and we he regretted that they had you know not followed protocols etc cetera, etc cetera. so we have that evidence that there was a link we recently on full measure Cheryl Atkinson just uh, January 6th of this year exposed the fact that Dr. Zimmerman, Andrew Zimmerman, was the star witness for the government on the case of 500 families who had autistic kids were going to try to get compensation from vaccine court. And he testified in the first case that he didn't see a link between that child's vaccines and their autism, but then he went to the DOJ, the Department of Justice attorneys, and said, I have seen other cases where the vaccines did cause autism. Uh, they fired him and just took his quote out of context Gosh. and dismissed all 500 cases. So that's sort of the politics of this whole business. Mm -hmm. Now I'll tell you my own story. So I've been a busy pediatrician for 30 years. In 2004, 5, 6, and 7, I was in a big group pediatric practice. In my own patient population, I had a kid who was normal at 1 regress into severe autism by age 2. So one a year for four years. Now, the first time you see that as a pediatrician, you go, oh, it's a coincidence because you're being taught there's no link between vaccines and anything. Right. Second time you see it, it's like, oh, is it two coincidences? And by the fourth time, I went to my partners. I said, I cannot continue to do business as usual. I'd been learning too much about the problems of toxins in vaccines. Too many vaccines too soon will cause developmental problems through a process called immune activation. If you overactivate the immune system in a very young infant, it causes developmental delay issues. We know that aluminum in vaccines is neurotoxic, and we have aluminum in vaccines at levels that exceed the FDA limits. So there's problems, right? So I start my own practice. I gather some data. I start having an incredible experience, which I outline in my book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. And so I have seen a huge reduction in autism by vaccinating differently. And of course, that's controversial just to throw that on the airways. But I say that because it really, when it comes to something as controversial as measles, there, there is some value in having, not that some, there's huge value in having society largely protected. Well, why are we, Paul, those 57 and earlier, um, immune now from getting the measles and kids nowadays aren't? What happened? Well, uh, when you get a natural disease, the immune response is much more robust. So you have lasting immunity uh, and a much stronger immune response. Now, when you vaccinate, the measles vaccine, the MMR, is actually quite effective. Uh, when you get one MMR, it's somewhere between 93 and 95% effective. And if you take a booster when you're age four to six, you can bump that rate up to about 98 to 99%. We really only need about 90% of the population protected to prevent uh, measles cases from sort of sweeping the community. So that concept of herd immunity or community immunity, when you get up to above 90% of the population is vaccinated, that's good enough to keep measles from taking hold. And in fact, even in this large outbreak that's happened in my area, the community is protected. I mean, if you saw the list of all the places people have been, from the airport to the major uh, mm -hmm. basketball stadium to tons of offices oh, and, and Ikea and all, all these places, and nobody, not one person has caught measles from all of those exposures. Why? 
That's because we have adequate level of protection within the community. In fact, we know in this country that level is so good in every state that they've declared measles has been eradicated from the United States. Now, are measles as bad as chickenpox or vice versa? Uh, Worse, uh, because chickenpox, we started that vaccine in 1995. And prior to the vaccine, there were about 50 deaths per year from chickenpox. So my kids all had chickenpox, you know. Naturally. Naturally. Yeah. And when we rolled that vaccine out, it was actually justified on a financial basis, not because, you know, 50 deaths wasn't enough to justify the cost. But they justified it by saying, you know, think of all the parents not having to leave work to care for sick kids. And so that's how we justified that program. Hmm. What's happened, however, is we now have 100 deaths per year from shingles. And shingles is the same virus. It's the chickenpox virus that's been just living in the nerve roots of people who are either vaccinated for chickenpox or had chickenpox naturally. And the shingles story is just going to get worse and worse. And here's why. Back when my kids had chickenpox, I was around them, and that acted as a booster to my own immunity. Right. And you had chickenpox, I'm sure, as a kid. Exactly. Okay. So we all had chickenpox, and then when each, each new wave of kids would get chickenpox, our immunity would be boosted. And so shingles was a very rare thing, uh, you know, back before can, can you Can you get shingles now, you? Uh, sure, I could, but I won't, and I'll tell you why. I, being a pediatrician, I still see cases of chickenpox, so I am naturally being boosted. Uh, you know, at least every year I'm seeing a case or two of chickenpox. So er- every time the virus is around you, that boosts your own immunity. Exactly. Ah. But, the, but the general public is no longer be exposed to chickenpox because the vaccine has worked quite well. So chickenpox is now rare. I mean, there's families, I wish I could have a chickenpox party, and I'm telling them, good luck. Because I literally see just one or two cases a year. And I'm a busy pediatrician, whereas, you know, back before the vaccine, you saw chickenpox all the time. What, what are the biggest outbreaks of vi- viruses right now? Is it, oh, is it say, polio's gone, right? Oh, sure, yeah. Polio's eradicated from uh, all the Americas. And, um, no, the big, the big things that we still see are, of course, influenza. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, the flu, uh, that vaccine is notoriously ineffective. Um, every year, there's hundreds of thousands of respiratory specimens sent into to labs to test for the flu. And on average, there's only 16% are found to be the flu. So when we doctors have severe cases of what we think is the flu, in generally less than 10%, it's actually influenza. And so, you know, the whole, the whole thing, I mean, CDC statistics will, will lump influenza and pneumonia, and then they'll say, for example, I think it was in 2001, they said there were like 62,000 people died of the flu. Well, no, actually there were only, it was mostly attributed to pneumonia, and there were only 257 that were flu, but only 18 cases were actually positively identified as flu. So you go from 62,000 being reported as the deaths from the flu. In reality, we only know that it was 18. And this is just something that's going on with their campaign to try to get everybody to take a flu shot. Um, that whole, that's one of the least effective vaccines. But the other, uh, another virus that's very hard for little children is uh, RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. It causes bronchiolitis, which is a wheezing 
uh, pneumonia. Those little babies can get really sick from that one. And then there's a host of um, viruses, what we call enteroviruses. Polio is an enterovirus, but there are many, many others, uh, just as there are lots of different strains of the flu. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.